0: You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast, episode number 29, November 17th, 2020. This show is produced in partnership with Hospitality Technology and Restaurant Technology Network. Smarter hotels, smarter restaurants.
1: Hello, this is Mike Wills with Apex. You're listening to Skip and the Tech Chef Podcast.
0: Business strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? drive through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu. Cooking up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with the tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the
1: tech chef.
0: Welcome back, everybody. How is my tech chef family today? This is your host, Skip Kimple, and I am back again to give you your weekly dose of restaurant and hospitality technology news, information, and insight into our industry, as well as the partners that can help you succeed strategically. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to announce that on December 1st through 3rd, Hospitality Technology, in conjunction with HTNG, is presenting Hotel Next, a simulated hotel experience built for the new normal, complete with operational areas like a lobby, guest room, back office, plus an exhibit hall, auditorium, and more. Hotel Next will feature smart sessions with the most respected technology titans in the industry. They will cover today's hottest industry topics, including touchless experiences and transactions, safety and cleanliness, data analytics, and so much more to register, go to ht-next.com. With Togo Technologies on last week, we talked about one of the partners they integrate with, Apex Supply Chain Technologies. If you have ever been to a Little Caesars Pizza and have seen or interacted with their heated food lockers, you've experienced an Apex product. Today, I'm excited to have on Mike Wills, the CEO of Apex, the world's leading provider of self-serve automation solutions for a wide range of applications in the food service, retail, and the B2B markets. Mike joined Apex in 2016, following a career of more than three decades in the enterprise mobility industry, where he held leadership and officer positions with organizations including Motorola, Zebra, Intermec, Avery Dennison, and Honeywell. This is a two-part series, and we are going to explore together everything you need to know about the food locker industry. We will discuss their core business and how this trending technology will change not only your restaurant business off-premise strategy, but also discover how hotels can benefit from their products as well. It's a pleasure to have on the show today Mike Wills from Apex Technology. Mike, thank you for joining us today.
1: Hey, it's my pleasure, Skip. Thanks for having us.
0: It's also my pleasure. I would like for you to maybe dig in a little bit about uh, your background in particular and then dig into Apex because this show is all about food lockers and how it relates to the off-premise aspect of the restaurant industry. But I know you guys go a little bit deeper than just food lockers. So go ahead and tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Will do. Um, Skip, it's my honor to uh, have the pleasure and responsibility of leading APEX. Um, I bring almost 35 years, it's hard to imagine, but almost 35 years of uh, tech leadership background in every capitalization structure, private, uh, public, uh, divisions of public, private equity-backed startups, Uh, and I, I bring, as I mentioned, over three decades of different variants of technology in both B2B and B2C space, uh, to this most current, uh, responsibility that I have here at Apex. Apex, uh, is a 12 year old company and it's really the best way that I can frame this skip is a, a story of two acts. The first act was an organization that was uh focused chiefly in the industrial and manufacturing and distribution center space, logistics uh space, if you could put a, a, a larger macro title to it. Anything with a concrete floor um, and the movement of goods. And and we came alongside the industrial manufacturing complex efforts uh, to practice and implement lean. And we became the subject matter experts in helping uh, get the right things to the right people at the right place and time throughout their organizations. We helped them walk that balance beam of um, managing uh, critical things of value, whether they were consumables um, to be used on a manufacturing line or uh, things that were multi-use, but really uh, you needed to really track them and make sure the right people got them at the right time to get their jobs done correctly. In a lean effort, you focus on making sure that everybody has the right things that they have, but you don't oversupply it and put piles of cash unnecessarily uh, to keep your enterprise moving forward. So in a nutshell, we became, as I mentioned, subject matter experts in that space. And several years ago, Skip, we started to look beyond that, and we realized, and really with a a macro trend driven by uh, digital ordering in the B2C space, in retail and food specifically in those two markets, um, with this, this mega trend taking place with this huge preference and move to digital ordering, that... Many of the same challenges and issues that we spent years perfecting and working out in the industrial and manufacturing space were still taking place in food service and retail. So act two was to take all of that competency and put it to work developing a set of solutions from a cloud-based hosting software hosting infrastructure out to point-of-use solutions in restaurants and in retail stores. Um, as our second act of of subject matter expertise. And that's where we are at today with our contactless food service delivery and pickup solution.
0: Obviously, with a background in logistics, this sets you up perfectly for the off-premise marketplace within the restaurant industry. So let's talk about that off-premise strategy. Let's first of all talk about the challenges of doing off premise in whole, you know, let's take food lockers out of the scenario here. So let's talk about, you know, every single piece that you guys are trying to not only uh, um, compensate for, but just see struggles uh, within that uh, realm of the industry that, that are really happening that restaurants need to accommodate for.
1: Obviously we're living in a post COVID world today. Many of the same challenges that you just outlined, Skip, were in place uh, pre COVID. Uh, Now they've accentuated themselves. Uh, They've become more pronounced and bigger, and frankly, operationally threatening to the brand's existence moving forward if they aren't addressed. So those those issues really come down to um, the quality of the food itself, uh, the safety of the workers now in a post-COVID environment, the safety of the workers, and this frankly, the safety of the clientele, the guests that are coming in the door or uh, the third party delivery drivers coming in the door. And then the efficiency, right? The real core of, of it all is the efficiency. How efficient is my operation in the movement of the volume of those orders as they shift from in-premise or on-site dining to uh, a significant portion of them now, if not entirely all of them now being off-premise ordered Driven by uh, obviously the growth of the uh, DSP network, the third-party delivery networks, um, and uh, concerns about uh, just safety as far as walking in and and eating in an establishment versus taking it home to a known safe environment such as your house um, or your office. So the the you know the issues of safety, the issues of efficiency in addressing this. Uh, very large shift in volume of uh, uh, of orders, as well as the quality of the food, maintaining the experience uh, continue to be top of mind. And again, if you set lockers aside, these issues persist. But because those three issues exist, it creates a huge opportunity for us with our contactless uh food service delivery and pickup solution which we'll get into in this discussion
0: you talked about um safety for the employees and for the guests but you know, at the end of the day consumers are really worried about the chain of custody of their food and the food safety so i i think Correct. you know i think that's part of the bigger picture of uh off-premise and you know who's touching the food how many times is it being touched so, you know, some other pieces that work into that those challenges of off-premise, other than the safety and some of the other items that you had mentioned, um, are the logistics of how you pull this off, how you pull off every single piece, how you make it a seamless experience for your guest that lives up to your brand reputation, packaging. I know you and I had talked about this offline a little bit, but... Packaging is critical right. regardless of what you're doing for off-premise because no longer are they eating in your restaurant where it's hot and fresh, you know, coming out of your kitchen. There is some time in between from the time it's prepared to the time they actually eat it. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: In our efforts, when we're dealing with a new prospect who is contemplating a contactless um, food delivery solution such as Apex, uh, we ask them a whole myriad of questions, Skip, and and one of them is we you know we try and get a baseline on uh, what their packaging techniques and offerings are today. Uh, what what experience do they want their clients and customers to have? Because the reality is, uh, whether they're picking up the the end customer, the clients picking up the order, or they've offered or they ordered it off of a DSP site and they've got a third party delivery driver picking up their order. The time frame from exiting with an order in hand to their vehicle, back home, plated, and beginning the experience of consuming that order is on the short side, two and a half to potentially four times as much time as it as it would take in a in the restaurant itself or the time that that order, and we're gonna talk about dwell time in a few minutes um, as a measure, but the time that that order sat waiting for that customer to pick it up or that DSP driver to pick it up. So packaging plays a huge role in the customer experience. That was one of those pillar items, you know, the quality of the food and the overall experience. So packaging to make sure that hot things remain hot, cold things remain cold, and they don't influence each other in the travel time period is critically important. You know, you mentioned food safety, the the chain of custody of the order is also important. Now it's, it's uh, a step function more important today than what it was say after, you know, after February uh, or prior to February, but uh, customers want to know that once their order was done um, it, has not gone through you know the the typical mosh pit scenario where you've got 15 strange people touching the order before you show up to get yours so they're critically concerned about making sure that not only my experience out of the bag or out of the packaging has has kept it a high quality food experience but also uh, i've eliminated all the unnecessary and potentially unsanitary touches in that chain of custody as
0: well. So with all those touches in the chain of custody also opens a door for mistakes. And I think that's a piece of the ROI, which we'll get into a little bit later, but you know, a lot of restaurants have to remake meals or they have to, you know, um, there, there might be a mistake in the order and somebody, somebody else by the name of Steve picks something up and they grab the wrong bag. You know, if it's like a cubby or something like that, but back to the packaging piece for a second, you know, it's not only about, temperature but there is a science behind the packaging for instance having properly vented packaging so you don't get soggy fries gosh that's been a discussion for about a year and a half two years now at all these uh conferences you know how do you serve fries that aren't soggy that have been sitting there for 30 minutes or from my previous company where we served pizza what do we need to do from a boxing technology or maybe an underlying layer of of paper or cardboard you know, what does that take to make sure your pizza remains crispy? You know, it, it all comes down to brand and reputation because, you know, if this is their first time ordering food from your restaurant, you want it to be the best experience possible. And I truly believe that you can really only do that through your efforts of packaging and packaging isn't always cheap. I know a lot of restaurants are thinking we got to do the cheapest way we can do this, but that, that doesn't necessarily work out well for a restaurant brand.
1: Not always. I agree. I I, I do think um, I do think there is room for a an economic solution. Let's just frame it that way, Skip. If if you know a portion of your clients, their travel time is l- limited to minutes or less, economic packaging, uh, value based packaging might be the solution in that regard. But most of the time, from what we see, the travel times in a true off-prem order, whether they're going back to the office or they're going home or someone else's house for a gathering, um, it's, it's a significant time period and you need to do everything you can to make sure that that experience is the best that they could possibly have, to your point.
0: So I think that's a perfect leeway into a topic that you mentioned earlier, which is dwell time maybe you can uh, kind of explain to our listeners what dwell time is and how you measure for it.
1: Dwell time as a function, and it's one of the process uh, questions that we map out with a prospect and a uh, a practicing client. You know, we're a data-driven and a metrics and KPI-driven organization. So uh, we have dashboards that measure and monitor the health Productivity, uh, capacity, availability of our of our solutions um, throughout the entire operating calendar and day and and shift time of of a of a brand. And dwell time is a critical measure to us. Dwell time by measure is the time in which the food order is complete and loaded into our solution. At that point in time, when your store associate team member presses the prompt on the back of the user interface on the back of our device which is a touchscreen display and they press complete order and at that point in time the clock starts on dwell time skip at that same time a message is now sent to either the DSP driver or the end user themselves that their order has been delivered and is ready for pick uh, for pickup At the location where they ordered it, and embedded in that, they have uh, a unique and very specific pickup code that is unique to just their order. That dwell time starts at that point in time that I just described when the store associate loads and completes the order, and the other end of it is when either the driver or the end user enters their code or scans their code and that signifies okay the correct individual remember back to our mantra the right things to the right people at the right place and time this correct or right customer is now in the store to pick up their order they scan that code the door pops open automatically and dwell time ends right there dwell time is a function it serves a lot of important data feeds skip it tells an operator um, how long my orders are waiting inside uh, the compartments for a pickup. And it might uh, allow me to deal with time of day, um, the type of orders, the size of orders, et cetera. I might have to deal with some packaging items because the dwell times um, might be a little longer than what I'd like for certain orders. Uh, Back to our earlier conversation. They also help in terms of uh scheduling and balancing orders that are still upstream yet. So I'm constantly managing my availability and I don't want to fill up my lobby with a bunch of people who uh, are anticipating, you know, my order being done before it is. So dwell time, we've seen dwell times in uh, arena settings and in some university settings skip as low as, three to four minutes. We've seen other dwell times, um, as, uh, averaging anywhere from eight to 10 minutes. That's typically the, the mean average that we see, um, from the time that a customer gets their code to the time that they actually scan and, and retrieve the order. Um, dwell time is a really critically important thing for brands to, to manage and to watch because it, Traces right back to capacity availability of the system itself, and it traces back to food quality and how to manage that. Different ways to manage that with packaging.
0: It does, and you know, while you can measure for dwell times, I think the unknown factor is okay. The guest picks it up, but how long does it take for them to drive it home? So you've got, let's say, at, at uh, you know your average scenario of ten minutes dwell time. Uh, you still probably have another 10, 15 minutes before they get it home. So you're still looking at that 25 minute time frame, which really plays back into the um the whole aspect of your packaging. You know, making sure you have the right packaging to make sure it meets those demands. Let's dig into a little bit about the demand for food lockers and why food lockers all of a sudden have become a big thing and, you know, like like the Paneras out there, why not just have cubbies and shelves? You know why should companies invest in food lockers?
1: Yeah, I, first of all, I want to tip my hat to uh, Panera and other pioneering brands for um, testing alternative methods to service their clients.
0: For That's sure. I, I mean, they're, they've, always yeah, been, I, they've always been cutting edge. And, you know, whoever heard of, of uh, you know, Cubbies before Panera, I mean, it still works effectively. But obviously, food lockers take it to the next level.
1: They do. And so, you know, if if we can step back from, um, different attempts to solve the problem, it really falls into, um, it falls into three scenarios today. Um, actually, actually four, four is always do nothing, which is I'm not going to change my processes. If you've got a takeout order, you're going to have to stand in line and, and walk up to the counter and ask me for it and I'll hand it to you. That's. A, um, while it may be efficient, (laughs) it may be efficient for the food service operator. It's a total downer in terms of a customer experience. Um, and so repeat business is a serious question mark if you don't change to adopt to the new shift in off premise ordering and, and eating. So the other scenarios that we've seen, and you alluded to it, um, is a cubby, uh, an unattended shelf system where once an order is complete, I bag it up um, and I write on it or I print off a receipt with Skip's name or Mike's name on it and I set it on a counter. Um, During any kind of peak rush time, whether it's breakfast, whether it's lunch or dinner, um, there's multiple bags out there in those environments. We've all been there. We've all seen them. We know what that looks like. Um, I can tell you after talking to many brands, and there will be many listening to this podcast, and will probably be shaking their head up and down going, yep, that sounds right. What ends up happening in a typical uh, single operating day is if they implement a cubby-based system, a non-attended cubby-based system, they'll lose several orders a day. On the low end, two to three orders a day they have to remake. On the high end, I've heard as many as six or more. Um, but let's just use two to three orders a day. That's two to three orders a day that are mistakenly taken. One or more skips, one or more mics, and I just don't take the time because I'm on the phone and I'm talking and I see a mic on a label and I grab it. And I'm four blocks away driving home or to the office and I open it up and realize it's the wrong order. Um, very unlikely I'm going to turn around and bring it back. Secondly, the real mic isn't going to want the order that I just opened up in my car. So regardless, uh, you still have to remake it. The issue with that is y- you've got the gross margin hit because you got a raw material hit. All of that's gone and you have to remake it. So it's a margin hit to your operations. Secondly, it's a negative customer experience times five, times six, Right. I ended up with a food order, but it wasn't the right mic, And so I didn't get what I wanted. And the real mic didn't get anything. So it's a, it's a multiplier of negative customer experiences and a hit to your profitability. I've also seen to change categories on how people have tried to solve this. I've also seen people throw labor at it. Um, this is a very expensive scenario as well, Skip. Um, you could potentially have a great experience with somebody standing there handing you the order. You walk in and you walk up to that person whose full-time job for that day is just make sure that Skip gets his right order or Mike gets his right order. Um, but if you're a large chain and you have hundreds of locations, you have hundreds of opportunities for that to be a great experience or a bad experience based on how that individual does his or her job that day. Not to mention the productivity issue. You're paying that person labor rates plus benefits to stand there. And even during peak rush, if they're really effective 50% of the time, that's a very busy type setting. So labor efficiencies and throwing labor at it um, isn't, from what I've seen, is not the, the most appropriate way to use your staff and your team members, nor if you have a broad base of brands, um, probably the most appropriate way to give a consistent brand experience as well. So the third solution, third scenario is uh, automation through a food service delivery and pickup solution that Apex provides.
0: So you just talked about some great ROI statistics in regards to why you should implement a food locker. I want to take a little bit of a step back in regards to, and by the way, for all my listeners, I apologize. We are going to go over what we normally do for a time frame today because I think what we're talking about is so important to the future of restaurants and how we're going to move forward that this really warrants the opportunity to Um, to to talk to Mike and his expertise to really dig into this uh, business case scenario a little deeper. So, Mike, I hope you don't mind if we run over a little bit here. Not not at all. Great. So let's, like I said, let's take a little bit of a step back and talk about different types of food lockers. So I'm, I'm envisioning, you know, I've talked to several colleagues that are looking at food lockers, but there's a lot of people out there that don't really understand all of the aspects of it. So let's talk about the different form factors of a food locker along with the different, you know, heated technology, cool technology, ambient, et cetera. Can you dig into that a little bit?
1: So our, our most, uh, our most popular food locker and it's really, it's it derived the name because it looks uh, from an infrastructure or, or a architectural design standpoint, it looks like a locker resemblance, um, is scalable and modular. So a customer can build it out in their operating environment um, horizontally. So they can literally take out a POS station and build it across the counter. Um, They can build them out vertically. um, And they can also cut them into exterior walls. We've seen operators uh, build these out and they are a flow-through design, which means they're back-fed. Your store associates are loading orders from the rear. Um, and as I said, interfacing with our user interface on the back of the unit to load and deliver the orders. Once they've been delivered, then uh, the either the drivers or the end users would pick them up from the front of the unit, which have the doors on them. The one example that I was giving you is that uh, we've seen some brands cut them into exterior walls to manage um, traffic flow uh, so that their off-prem orders, uh, they are going literally to an exterior wall uh, and picking up orders. And then once that brand shuts down their operating hours, they literally pull down one of those metal secure hurricane doors uh, and lock it up for the night. Um, we've also seen in a small derivative of our flow through lockers uh some brands take uh a freestanding uh vertical unit and set it aside in a different location and do a front load version and use that to just load all uh, third party DSP driver orders um, because what we have seen just by practice and i think everybody could acknowledge, yep, I've seen that as well, your lobby can be a congestion point. Um, Even before COVID, that was a concern because a lot of people make an immediate snap judgment based on the number of people standing in a lobby, what the wait time is. And if there's a lot of people standing in your lobby, you could inadvertently chase away a lot of business. Um, Today, post-COVID, it's a concern because of that and because of social distancing. So a lot of drivers will jump the uh, order delivery notification time by arriving early and basically just standing in the lobby waiting for that message to say, okay, the order that I'm here to pick up is ready. So by routing them to a different location in your restaurant, you can create that vacancy inside your lobby and be more inviting to other guests who are coming in, uh, potentially doing either dine-in or off-prem as well. So our flow through has has a number of different variants that can help you manage uh, your off premise order flows. Uh, As I mentioned, exterior walls, interior walls, countertops, uh, as well as uh, front loads for uh, dislocated uh, type setups where you want to manage the foot traffic and the footfall inside your brand. Uh, We have another design which is specifically designed for uh, hot holding, um, probably most noteworthy for the pizza portal, uh, a great relationship with our customer partner, uh, Little Caesars, um, that was uh, very uh, famous, obviously across all their uh, television advertisements and uh, a huge integral part of their push into the digital order format. Um, so we, we have that offering as well uh, for a hot holding, um, obviously specifically for pizza uh, in that particular use case, but has also found uh, a home in uh, many other environments where you have hot plated uh, cafeteria style offerings uh, in universities, hospitals, and other areas like that, um, and then ambient with our entire flow through series that I just described.
0: You know, the first time I experienced an Apex locker was at a Little Caesars. We were having an, an internal discussion um, at the previous company I worked for, which is a pizza company, like I mentioned earlier. And they're like, "Whoa, oh, what about these food locker things? And I'm like, wow, that's way too futuristic for, for us. But let me go check it out. And I went, I checked it out and it was pretty awesome. I'm like, wow, this is, <laughs> I love this technology. But you know why this is a critical topic to, to really bring up at this point? For the past year, year and a half, if not maybe two years, the concept of redesigning a restaurant to offset the off premise shift in business is really a hot topic. And as restaurants are redesigning, I truly believe for instance, if you're going to rebuild a wall for your, for your takeout area, why not build these food lockers into it and just streamline the entire operation. But this needs to be in, in your consideration plan as you move forward. Now, we talked about the physical characteristics of the food lockers. Let's talk about the technology in general about food lockers. Uh, Cause I understand how you guys work, but I'm sure you have a good understanding of other companies as well. I just want to go through that process. Cause we have a lot of um, technologists listening to the show. So I want them to have a good understanding of what's available to them.
1: So let's just talk from um, the, the software out to the actual device and then we'll segue from there, Skip, uh to what the typical customer experience looks uh or, or looks like and feels like uh to put a wrapper on it. Uh for the technologist enthusiasts, it's a cloud hosted software. Uh the device, as cool as it looks and uh as uh purpose built designed as it was, um it's 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 a dumb box without the enablement of our software. And so the two go hand in hand in a fine marriage. Um We do offer because of some of our brands. Let's, let's be honest. A lot of our brands, um, their network stability can be flaky at times. And that's just a, that's just a behavioral, uh, scenario associated with networks, um, over operational time periods. So we do offer a high availability option, um, in case of a network loss. Uh, we basically roll over to a cellular network for a period of time to keep your delivery system up. Um, so, you know, we, we try to at least stay in parity, Skip, with the operational uptime that you expect from your POS system all the way in to your entire digital uh, order intake platform. We want to at least be at parity, if not offer the ability, if everything else is down, you can still allow your customers to pick up orders um, and keep your business moving forward. Touch screens that we talked about, uh we have a scanning platform both on the uh uh store associate side uh as well as the customer order pickup side. We do have compartment sensing. Um We've moved through our own learnings. We've moved uh, through a couple iterations of that, and have um, focused now on uh, camera sensing to basically ensure that uh, it's validation that there is in fact something in the compartment. Um, It's really critically important at all times when a operator is sweating the asset Uh, making it work for them that they know at all times what compartments are occupied and waiting for a customer to pick up an order and what compartments are available. Um, Why that's important is uh, a mistake or somebody pulling an order out of a compartment um, and just handing it to somebody could play havoc with your database, your real-time database. So um, this allows a reconciliation process to take place, and, uh, and and tell you at all times what is available for loading and what is available for pickup. Uh, we do also uh, also offer BLE as far as Bluetooth. Uh, we're seeing a lot of customers start their experience with us and move from there into. Uh, different forms of being digitally sticky with their consumers. Finally, um, and we haven't talked about it, Skip, but a month uh, a month or so ago, we put out a press release about a, uh, a signed agreement, uh, licensing agreement that we uh, constructed with Brightloom, previously known as ETA, uh where we have secured exclusive rights to uh, their technology stack. To basically extend our, our food service cubby offerings, our automated delivery and pickup offerings, um, ETSA was best known for their digital screens um, and the ability for brands to uh, extend their messaging uh, to the point of pickup with their consumers. Um that fits perfectly into our uh product lifecycle strategy and continuum of what we want to continue to offer our food service brands. So that uh in a nutshell should be enough for our techies to chew on. Um from the customer experience standpoint, uh it's important for the brands to know at all times, at all times. Uh there is no indication that they're dealing with anybody but you, the brand. They're not dealing with Apex. They're not getting messages that uh, they would be confused by uh some third party or some unknown entity. Uh, it's always the brand out front. We're simply enabling all of this to take place behind the scenes.
0: So obviously a white label aspect, by the way, out of all that you just said, which is absolutely fabulous. You, you dug into some of my, um, upcoming questions, but sweating the asset. That's my takeaway from today. I love that phrase. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about, you know, the customer experience, um, from what we talked about before, you know, the, the customer gets a QR code, a text message. Right. Um, what happens if they forgot their phone and they arrived to a restaurant?
1: Uh, at that point, they would simply, uh, see the store associate, give them, uh, their name, their names, uh, going to be in their order registry and they can, the store associate can pop the door for them or literally just reach in, um, and pull the order and hand it to them and just cancel it, just cancel it out. So there's always a workaround. Um, you know, the, the number, the number one item here is, give the customer the best experience they could possibly get, even if they forgot their phone or they forgot their code or they left it at home or whatever the case is. Um, you know, they they are going to be uh, given the best experience possible.
0: So I think you mentioned, you know, we were talking about some of the different types of food lockers, um, you know, modular desktop in the wall. Obviously those are all yep. pieces that app apex um, supplies temperature controlled from the cooled, to the heated, to the ambient. And let's talk about third-party pickup for 3PDs. You know, how are you communicating with those delivery partners? You know, how do you, how do you let them know which locker to go to and, and how to open up a locker?
1: So that is a brand-specific uh, series of questions that we would work through. Um, we have integrated solutions. We have non-integrated solutions. We have semi-integrated solutions. Um, typically the most common method that we have implemented when it comes to DSPs is basically offering um, some, uh, some database on our UI that allows them to basically select I'm, I'm with this brand, right. And I, I Let's say I'm Doordash or I'm Uber Eats or I'm Grubhub, whomever, um, and I'm here to pick up an order, I'm given a like the last four digits of the uh the order number. So I I match that with mine and that's that's what I press and the door pops open. That's a very simple and straightforward way. And the integrated methodology is the DSP driver gets the same code as you and I would if we just ordered off the brand website. So that the, you know, the integration, it's a straight API integration. Um, the, the integration effort takes a little bit more time, but not a lot. Um, and we've seen all three of those variants take place in terms of how a brand enters. Uh, this solution. And ultimately, once they begin their experience, they they begin to step back after months of operation and say, okay, here's what I love. Here's what I'd like us to concentrate on as far as let's tweak that. Let's change this. Let's add this. And so it becomes a a long-term partnership, frankly, between us and our brands to make sure that we stay in step with how they want their customers to experience the brand.
0: Now, last week I had on the show, Sean Schenkel, CEO for Fresh Technologies. And, um, you know, obviously the reason why I came across your name and your company first is because he had mentioned it in a previous conversation about integrating in food lockers. This is a long time ago, but obviously you had that API in place where he was able to implement it. I think that's a huge advantage. Let's talk about direct POS integrations that you have today, because not everybody's going to go be going through a, you know, third party, um, maybe a intermediate software. What POSs do you integrate with today?
1: We are integrated with Toshiba. Uh, we have one that we're finishing up with NCR Aloha right now. Um, we have a bunch that are, uh, middle stage and lower, which what I would consider, um, homegrown. Um, what I, what I want to make abundantly clear though is most customers start with a POV. Um, it's an experience or a discovery trial, really, Skip, where they pick one or two stores that is, that best represents, um, their customer base. They put the solution in and they put it in in a non-integrated manner, meaning, meaning it's non-integrated from a store associate standpoint. So what has to happen is they take the order in digitally, they build it. And then they get to the back of our device and they have to enter in the customer information, which can be as simple as my name and my cell phone number and hit confirm in terms of completing the order. And the same thing happens. We white label the message out customer gets the confirmation and off they go An integrated solution removes that step. So in a high scale, high volume kind of atmosphere clearly makes a ton of sense to follow an integrated path in a POV atmosphere. Not so much meaning, you know, there's benefit there, but why take the step until I verify that my constituents all love this form of service. And typically the second step is to go down a path of integration with wherever and however they take their digital orders in.
0: So your solution is also a full contactless solution, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, there is no there is no contact whatsoever between uh, the store associate and the customer, and there doesn't have to be any contact between the customer um, and the device when they walk in. They can scan the code, the door opens automatically, and they can retrieve their order and walk out without touching anything, including uh, the door, if they chose to. I mean, it literally is truly contactless.
0: Mike, as we wind things down here a little bit, obviously being the CEO, you have a vision for the industry. What is the future of Food Lockers and how is this going to evolve and to what extent?
1: Yeah, Skip, I I think first and foremost, um, it's important to us, to come alongside and partner with every brand of every size to uh, pivot and make this transition. Uh, You know, before COVID hit, there was still a very significant transition going on with customer preference to digital ordering and off-prem. COVID was the accelerant on all of it. So the first part of our strategy is to come alongside as a partner with the brand's and uh, obviously we've already checked the boxes on designing and developing the best of breed solutions to automate all of this contactless delivery and pickup but then travel with them as their brand and the service to their customers changes based on customer preference based on the type of foods or products that that they're offering and continue to make them as efficient as possible, which is delivery of higher earnings to the bottom line, and make their guest experiences the best possible because that always translates into repeat revenue for them. That's that's really our long-term strategy is to just continue to build out our partnerships with these brands and uh, and be in there years and years and years from now, continuing to deliver value in this relationship.
0: Being a big player in the market, are you still affordable to medium or small-sized companies?
1: Very. It, it, you know, Skip, this is all about ROI. But, you know, I told you that we ask a myriad of questions with the brand operator. Um, many of those are to explain up front how affordable this is and how they really, truly can't wait um, and kick this can down the road to implement something like this. They see their alternatives that we talked about earlier. You know, they they could leave their guest experience up to an unattended cubby. They could throw labor at it and, and be incredibly inefficient. Or they can put this contactless solution in, and we show them how it ROIs. So it's affordable up and down the stack.
0: What are some of your bigger brands you're currently dealing with?
1: So we talked obviously one of our largest brands in um, in the food service industry we talked about little Caesars you know that that was a um, that was a significant partnership and continues to be a significant partnership for us um as they were uh, highly pioneering in their move with that and we're we're obviously thrilled and pleased to be their partner um as you know many brands uh are reluctant about sharing a lot of uh, what they're doing with us in this stage, we have some, however, that um, are happy to participate. Um, you know, beyond beyond the QSR and fast casual space, we're also into uh, universities, hospitals. Um, some of our our uh, most rapidly growing segments right now are in the university space. Skip that. You know, we we talked a little bit about offline. Uh, Ryder University, Rutgers University, uh, University of Louisville, Arizona, um, were, uh, and have been, uh, in practice down at a network of hospitals in Houston, the uh, Houston Memorial Hospital System, um, in all of their cafeterias. They've got a true seven by 24 in every hospital complex. They've got a true seven by 24 cafeteria. Uh, situation where they have to keep their staff fed Uh, so this uh, automated uh, food service delivery mechanism was a perfect solution to allowing their professional staff to order ahead of time designate what time they would be there and allow their kitchens to operate efficiently and we're seeing the same thread come from a lot of the universities as well skip with uh, students ordering between classes during designated time periods. So we're seeing some phenomenal numbers and growth there. We've got a lot of great partners in the space with Sodexo, Aramark, Compass, Uh, I mentioned Toshiba and NCR, Aloha before. Uh, So we're well represented and that list continues to grow, Skip. And it's um, feels weird to say, given the time with, with uh, COVID and everything, but this has been a, Uh, an exciting time to be in this space, to be a part, rolling up our sleeves, to be a part of this um, transition period with all these brands. And we look forward to what 2020 uh, will bring all of us.
0: Definitely people are looking for those difference makers within their company from the off-premise piece. And obviously you guys know what you are doing. You're not new to the market. How does somebody get more information about Apex and who do they contact?
1: Simple, Um, you can look us up on our primary website, which is apexsupplychain.com, ask for, and there's plenty of uh, inquiry buttons located on there. You can also hit our info box uh, at at, uh, apexsupplychain.com. And Ashley McNamara, who is our Senior Director of Marketing would be happy to uh, assist.
0: And I know Ashley is sitting in the background. Ashley, thank you for setting this up today. You've been a, a trooper to make this happen, and I appreciate you getting the CEO on to talk to our listeners. Thank you so much. I just got to let you know, my office air conditioning is down right now, so I'm officially I'm officially sweating the asset. I'm just saying that right now. Uh, and that is, that is my new catchphrase. So, Mike Wills, thank you so much for kicking off this series on Food Locker's you have been a great resource in regards to information uh, for our listeners, and it sounds like you have a great product, and I hope you all of the success in the future.
1: Thank you, Skip. It was our pleasure. Thanks for having us.
0: I have seen this technology slowly trending very quietly in the background, but ever since covid This has really risen to the top for helping to solve for the guest contactless experience. Slick, clean, and wanted by consumers, we will see more and more of these lockers pop up in the near future. If you have any comments about the show, questions, or you just want to say hi, remember you can reach me via any social media channel, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, just follow me at Skip Kimple. Remember, you can also go to the website, skipkimple.com, and of course, you can always call our comment hotline at 954-302-0851. This is the last time I'm going to be able to remind you about the DTIQ giveaway, which involves a massive video equipment and analytics package valued at $3,900. Just visit skipkimple.com forward slash contest to enter today. Deadline to get your entry in is this Sunday, November 22nd, so we can announce it on our Thanksgiving Day episode. Next Tuesday is the second part of this series, and I will be talking to another food locker company, or as they like to call it, a pod company. Stephen Sperry, CEO of Minnow, will be on to talk about how their product is different and how you can easily expand your business and your food distribution guest options with their devices. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single moment of the show. Plus, you never know what I'm going to be giving away next. So until next week, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends.